Hello, CNTs. Welcome back to WRCT 88.3 FM. It's been one week since the world ended, as well as your relationship with Republican family members. But don't worry. At least you've got us. Until, of course, you have to spend Thanksgiving with them. My advice? Bring a barf bag. I'm your host, Arielle, and this is CNT. Politically aware, but not always correct. Before going back to a major injustice in America named Trump, I just want to say justice is being served for Philando Castile. The officer who shot Philando was finally charged with manslaughter today. Now, back to Trump. I wish I could say that we were done talking about Toronto Dump, but sadly, we've only just begun. In Portland, Oregon, 112 anti-Trump protesters were arrested. According to a list compiled by a Portland TV station, more than half of these protesters didn't even vote. 39 registered in the state but didn't turn in their ballot. 36 weren't registered to vote in Oregon. Four were under the age of 18 and were ineligible. And 33 just didn't vote. Now, y'all know I'm all about a good protest, but you don't get the right to say ish if you didn't even vote. And if you didn't know this before, now you do. While we may not know who you voted for, though though these days that's pretty tough to keep a secret, we definitely know if you voted. So to all those protesters who didn't make it to the polls, I say this. Shame. Shame. According to Daniel Date's calculations at the Toronto Star, Donald Trump has told and repeated more than 500 lies during this campaign. I didn't even know he knew that many words. But since the election began, there has been an influx of rumor-mongering, and many speculate that fake news stories may have swayed the election to Donald Trump's favor. On Monday, Google announced that it was going to cut fake news sites off from access to its vast advertising network, and like Melania to Michelle, Facebook quickly did the exact same thing. Mark Zuckerberg has vowed to at least attempt to seed out the fake stories, though it came with a bit of reluctance. Which is understandable. You can't clean up the internet. It's like a masturbatory whack-a-mole. Goes down there, pops up here. But the election is over, so we turn to the Senate's most comforting radicals. How did Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren feel about this election? Gretel? As a human being, as a citizen, how are you feeling about this election? You know, it happened. Um, Hansel? It never crossed your mind that you might have done better against him. You might have actually won if you had been the Democratic nominee. What good does it do now? (laughs) I feel so much better. Thank you, guys. Meanwhile, people are trolling Mike Pence by sending in donations to Planned Parenthood in his name, as well as a flood of inquiries about their periods. The protest comes in response to his stance on reproductive rights, which he made clear in 2011 when he said... I long for the day that Roe v. Wade is sent to the ash heap of history. It's funny, I say the exact same thing about a Trump presidency. Periods for Pence posted on their page. Happy Monday, America. The voice of your vag here reminding you to let those fingers do the walking. Today, we are encouraging women, all women, no matter your current uterine condition, to call both Trump headquarters at 646 736-1779 and the Republican National Convention at 216-264-2016. Did you do your civic duty? Does your vagina feel anxious? Depressed? 
Did it have a good weekend? Or maybe you're a crampy, bloated, or just craving the hell out of a Kit Kat. They need to know it all. Report back and let us know how it goes. Happy calling. So we've learned that Pence the Poltergeist is about to be VP of these United States. We also know that rude Rudy Giuliani has been tapped for Secretary of State. And Chief of Staff could very well be Reince Priebus, whose name is an anagram for Ice Your Penis. True story, look it up. And Stephen Bannon, the white nationalist who everyone seems up in arms about, which they shouldn't be, don't worry, America. Ku Klux Klan imperial wizard David Duke and American Nazi party chairman Rocky Suhaidya say it's okay. Chill. Laura Ingraham. Sorry, Laura Ingraham. Laura Ingram has also been tapped for press secretary. Not familiar with her work? Big issues. She was one of the first in conservative talk radio to agree with almost everything Trump has said, including that thing about Mexicans. Yeah, they have come here to murder and rape our people. We know that. It's not like, doesn't mean everybody has. Doesn't mean everyone who comes across the border is a, is a nasty, horrible person, but they have violated our laws. And her media attacks have been most poignant against Spanish language networks, Univision and Telemundo. These are Hispanic-centric networks that I think in, in many ways, and we've talked about this before, revile the American experience. Yeah, so she'll fit right in. And Trump obviously doesn't hate women because he's about to have two on his staff. That's right. What woman would be self-hating enough to be inside Trump's cabinet of horrors? No, not Raven Simone. It's Sarah Palin for Interior Secretary. I can see Russia from my house takes on a whole new meaning now, doesn't it? Meanwhile, Ben Carson, the neurosurgeon who sleepwalked through the whole election process, actually turned down Trump's offer to be a cabinet secretary because he felt that he had no experience. That's right. A Republican didn't take a job that they weren't qualified for. And finally, Oxford Dictionary just decided the word of the year is post-truth, an adjective meaning relating to or denoting circumstances in which objective facts are less influential in shaping public opinion than appeals to emotion and personal belief. In the context of the recent election here in the U.S. as well as Brexit, the word was used at a 2,000% increase this year. That's right, y'all. We're post-truth now. I think that's the last chapter in the New Testament, right? And now, a message from our sponsors. Hi, are you a white woman that only thinks about herself? I'll answer that for you. Yes, yes you are. Hi, I'm a representative of White Woman Woke, and I'm here to tell you about an exciting new product. White Woman Woke is a brand of coffee, comes in pumpkin spice, that will wake you up to the systemic injustices and atrocities committed all around you. What injustices, you might ask? Oh, you know, things that don't affect you. Silly things like immigration reform, climate change, the constant oppression of people of color. You know, stuff like that. Just read the label. White Women Woke isn't just for white women, though. Raven Simone can use it, too. And it's so easy. Just drink up and watch the racist rhetoric you've internalized all your life just disappear. You'll stop saying things like, I'm not racist, but reverse racism and white feminism. You'll stop equivocating Black Panthers to the KKK. Never again will you cheer to Columbus on Columbus Day and any lotus flower and Chinese symbol tattoo on your body will instantly disappear. Subscribe today. Welcome back, CNTs. Now it's time for our main story. Obama was just in Greece, warning against, in his words, a crude sort of nationalism, which he wouldn't have mentioned if it wasn't escalating around the world. 
Meanwhile, we have over 65 million people displaced in this world, with 11 million from Syria alone. Most of these people are women and children who have faced unbelievable trials to cross into safer territory. That safer territory, for many, has been Europe. However, in the EU, many people aren't so pleased to receive these survivors. And with someone like Trump in power here in the United States, spouting rhetoric about putting up walls and banning Muslims, we have to remember a little history lesson from writer of books Noam Chomsky. He says, in 1938, the Evian Conference was feeble and failed international effort to deal with the flight of Jews in Nazi Germany. The one enthusiast was actually Adolf Hitler, who expressed his hope that the world, which has such deep sympathy for these criminals, Jews, would at least be generous enough to convert the sympathy into practical aid. We, on our part, are ready to put all these criminals at the disposal of these countries for all I care, even on luxury ships. Only the Dominican Republic and Costa Rica were willing to offer help. The result was a green light for genocide. So we've been through this before. Of course, many of us don't live with this kind of reality looming over our heads, threatening our families and our lives every second of every day, which probably explains why people would rather put up walls than welcome those facing daily persecution. We don't like what we don't understand. So today, we have with us a very special guest from here at CMU. Rachel spent a year abroad in the Czech Republic and got a closer look at the day-to-day -day racism that many outsiders just don't understand. Thanks for joining us, Rachel. Glad to be here. Okay. So, you're a white girl. Yes, I am. You're Czech. <laughs> and you went to the Czech Republic. Yes. Why? I was born a little bit outside of Prague, and so my entire family lived there and escaped during communism, and so I decided to take it upon myself to go back and learn the language and keep in touch with some family ties. Okay, so you were connected linguistically. Yes, very much so. Okay, so what kind of aggressions, micro or macro, did you witness while you were there? So I'm, I look very Czech. Nothing happened to me, which was really convenient. Mm -hmm. The interesting part, though, was to see in a sea of white people who look exactly like me, the people who lived there who had immigrated. I had to take a 40-minute metro ride every day in and out of a town. And I got on the metro one time, and there was a black man sitting. And very obviously, nobody was sitting around him. And I'd seen it before. I'd been there a couple months. So that wasn't a surprise. And so I went and I sat right across from him. And what was interesting is he looked up really startled. I didn't say anything. I just sat there for 10 minutes. But usually, is um, you can tell that they're from a different country, so they probably speak English, and so it's kind of nice to say, excuse me, do you speak English? And then if they do, it's, it's easy for me in particular to communicate with them. Right. And he did. He happened to be from Nigeria. And so we started talking, and I was asking him about Nigeria and why he was here. He'd worked here for, I think, about uh, 15 years or so. But then my stop came up, and I said, my stop is the next stop. It's been a really a pleasure talking to you. Mm -hmm. And he goes, in, in the 15 years that I've lived here, not a single person has ever talked to me on my commute in or my commute out. Wow. Um, Czech people aren't, you know, wants to talk in general, but they do talk. And so <laughs> I just, that struck me because as I left, he just seemed so, you know, happy that mm -hmm. someone had acknowledged him. Mm -hmm. And um, that was a striking moment, okay. I think. Well, what do they think of Americans out there? <laughs> um. <laughs> they are very opinionated about Americans. Some, I honestly equivocated to, uh, you know, when you're in high school and there's that popular 
person. Mm-hmm. And when you're in front of them, you're like, oh my God, like, yes, I agree with everything you're saying. <laughs> and then when you're not with them, you're like, I hate them so much. They cause so much pain in my life. And, do you know what I mean? And so when you're with people, they're like, wow, you're an American. But you can tell when you leave, they're like, oh, spoiled girl is horrible. And wow. she thinks she's the center of attention. <laughs> um, so funny story. I kept a journal while I was there. And <laughs> can we hear it? <laughs> yes. Can you read your diary to so, us? So no, and I just I found one entry. I was rereading it, and I found one entry that was particularly interesting because I took an like a intensive language course. Uh-huh. Right. My teacher was Czech, and everybody else was from a different country. My teacher thought it would be hilarious to point out everything that they thought was really funny about Americans. In this entry, I only wrote four words: wasteful, lazy, fat, and fake. So basically, they were saying right. those things that they wouldn't say in front of me, in front of me, and I had actually had no idea at that point that that's what they were saying behind my back, and that was a, the first wow. time I had, mm. you know, oh well, now we know. Well, they, um, they say that when America farts, the world feels it. Yeah, uh, I'd agree. And <laughs> <laughs> many people Honestly, say that. Makes, that. <laughs> that makes sense. Honestly, people say that. Um, yeah. But I also, it also seems to be when America leads in positive action the world knows that that's a goal yeah so what does it say about us that we are now putting up walls and and posting racist rhetoric i don't think it's good i don't think it's good at all to be fair other worldly powers have done this as well so america i wouldn't Mm -hmm. say is so far ahead of everywhere else you've still got you know england and you've got those european countries that still hold a status right but brexit as well out of fear and brexit happened yeah i actually happened to be in england when that brexit happened because i was on my way home from prague at that time and i came into england for a weekend to visit an an aunt of mine and then uh yeah and brexit had just happened and they were totally stunned the same way that i think Mm -hmm. we are all stunned what is it is it you do you just like go to these countries? It's something Isn't that funny how that just, just happened. Like, Leave. Yeah, yikes. <laughs> right. Go no, to North yeah. Korea next if you could. Jesus. Um, that. <laughs> yikes. No. So, and I just, I just think that it's so interesting how the reaction that we had to Trump is is very, if not identical, similar, if not identical to the mm-hmm. reaction that my family had to. Brexit. They were just astounded. They didn't think it was a possibility, but apparently there's that much fear brewing in people who don't, you know, take a look outside. That seems and, and thematic. The the world. That yeah. seems thematic to say that people don't really mm-hmm. know how much is brewing underneath yeah, the surface. I think the rhetoric is so powerful mm. of, of, you know, if one person, if they say that all Muslims are terrorists and nobody else, and there are people who don't look anywhere else, I mean, what else do you have, right? Okay. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah. Uh, okay. CNTs, it's time for our favorite part of the show. Mama Z is going to lighten it up by telling us a bedtime story. So go ahead and get cozy with your nighty and your J. It's story time. Mama Z. Hi. My name's Paula. What's yours? Oh, that's a nice name. Well... Today, I've got a fun little story for you from our friends at Ozzy. Would you like to hear it? Fur warning, it might give you pause. Believe it or not, there is a television station just for dogs. True. You might ask yourself, well, just whose bright idea was that? I know I did. 
It was the idea of a young man named Levi, and he stumbled upon the idea in 2007 when he grew worried that his little kitty, Charlie, was bored while he was working long hours. He'd seen Charlie perk up when kittens played on TV and wondered if feline-focused programming might allay dullness. But Levi soon discovered what most cat lovers have always known. Separation distress only occurs in a few highly attached cats. They're just too darn independent. Dogs, however, are an entirely different story. So in 2009, he began creating animal-only content for an on-demand channel. Sort of like Netflix for dogs. People thought he was crazy, but the orders were so promising that he reached out to a fellow Israeli, Gilad Numan, now Dog TV CEO and the former head of Tel Aviv-based Jasmine TV Group. So, what would one show on Dog TV? There are five-minute videos with all kinds of different interests. Action videos show dogs walking and playing on walks and pairs of corgis splashing in the sea. The relaxation programs feature snoozing pups. Well, it's no house of cards, but still very impressive. Best of all, dog TV doesn't even pay the talent. People line up to get their dogs on television. His release forms are covered with tiny paw prints. So, if your dog is looking lonely, bored, licking themselves too much, or just downright sad, and you can't find time to play with them, just do what you do with children. Set them up in front of the TV and let the mind-numbing begin. Or perhaps tape them playing in the dog park and save you that $5 monthly subscription. Of course, you could let your pooch watch Animal Planet, but there's fire and crocodiles and scary stuff. To their credit, Dog TV is quite peaceful. And they have adjusted it to accommodate dog vision and hearing. Scenes are color-corrected to blue and yellow. The video frame is adjusted to provide flicker-free viewing since dogs see movement at a higher rate than humans and sound is optimized for canine frequencies. Very clever, though I don't understand why dogs need it so badly. With all the toxicity in these 24-hour news cycles, we're the ones that need relaxing. Someone sign me up! Well, that's it for today. Hope you enjoyed this happy little tale. Good night, y'all. Okay, CNTs, that's it for today. Remember that life is short, so change your underwear. We won't be back on the air next week because it's Thanksgiving, thank God. And what a perfect time to binge on all the episodes you missed than this holiday season. You can check us out on our SoundCloud at www.soundcloud.com backslash CNT, CNT. But do remember to come back the Wednesday after that for our season finale. From WRCT 88.3 FM, I'm Arielle, and this was CNT, politically aware, but not always correct, reminding you to 
Wake up and stay woke. Later. <laughs>